with your host, John Jowski, Pat Powers, Chris Cowan, and Greg Wolf. This is the X Step Podcast. You know, where am I going to play? What am I going to do? And Chris's friend, uh, my cousin Chris, his friend from college was living out here. So I messaged him. I was like, hey, Mike, you know, you, I didn't I didn't really know him. I was like, hey, Mike, you want you want to come come play, you know, at the pre-release for Magic Origins? He's like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, so I, went, I drove into the city of Buffalo and picked him up. And we, we went down and played. Uh, wasn't the was it the mid? I don't know. It might have been the midnight pre-release. But I drove down. I picked him up. And we took it down, like first first tournament in this new store, and we we walk out of it with twelve packs each. I was like, yeah, hell yeah, all right, pretty pretty good little showing here. That's juicy. Now, do you have the same success playing at tournaments with disc golf? <clears throat> no. Have you considered changing hobbies? I did change <laughs> hobbies. <laughs> I went from disc golf to magic and back. <laughs> His hobbies are now also fatherhood. Mm. Yeah. This is true. See, magic was significantly easier before I was married because I didn't have somebody breathing down my neck like, you spent how much on a new deck? Those fetch lands cost how much? (laughs) Uh... (laughs) You break it down by the hours you play with them. It's it's only a couple bucks an hour. However, I did parlay it. So before I moved out here, I condensed my collection. I took like all of my standard stuff that I had and I, I condensed it. And, well, one of one of the guys back home was going to Massachusetts for for a, a Grand Prix, and sold all my stuff and traded it for eight fetch lands, which were at the time like a hundred dollars a pop. So I made out with eight fetch lands for my standard collection that I wasn't going to use. So I put all that stuff in a binder, and then just like any of the extra stuff that I had that was worth anything. Um, and when I moved out here. I was just sat on my on my desk and then I turned that into when I got into guitar again when I got back into guitar I turned that into the white fender and then my telecaster Excalibur so those will one of those will be my son's guitar someday so I turned my magic collection into my son's guitar so (laughs) just play the may I help you riff yeah right 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 no stairway denied Greg, do you remember the day I, you and I, I remember like in the Hannaford parking lot pulled up like super sketchy, like window to window. And we, I traded you mm-hmm. a storm breath dragon for an Ashiok maybe. And something else. I don't remember. Yep. This was I like just, outside I, where the old blockbuster used to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I remember that. The cards, the cards aren't so important. It was the, the fact that we pulled up like window to window mm-hmm. in this, in this old sketchy parking lot. <laughs> yeah, You're going to have like, to delete the recording. He's kind of back LED links. Mm. Back at trading magic. Hey, John, in this, I got what you need. Trading pills in this parking lot? Like, <laughs> no. We're trading mythic rares. Just trading just, magic cards. I just need a little bump. She's got a little taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I cut my teeth on uh, on red burn decks. You know, I, I got my first taste of magic, and I couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't say no from that point forward. 
Oh, how did we get on the topic of magic? <laughs> Disc golf podcast. I, like right? I, still, I still play. I play arena. I still. I'm like, if I go up against a blue deck, I still just get so pissed. Yep, blue and white deck. Mm-hmm. Hate it. I'm like, are you? Or like, no, no. It's it's blue and black. Where it's like, they either bounce, like counter it, or they destroy it. You're like, really? Like, target opponent sacrifices one creature. Oh, I only have one creature that out. So that's great. Freaking hand. <laughs> what what I hate about those decks in blue is the strategy where I get to take all the turns. Yeah, yeah. I literally don't get to play any of my cards. Mm-hmm. Great. I have like, not why played. Is this, fun? this is not fun. Anti fun. <laughs> I haven't played a game of Magic test. in so long. Like your favorite disc combo is basically like that personality test that gives you those four letters. So if you like love blue, you're a complete asshole. Myers Briggs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, my favorite deck is blue, and you're like, yeah, well, I don't like you. So it has been a hot minute since I've played any Magic. So yeah, well, if you guys ever come out and we do like a disc golf tour, we could spend an evening where we do a draft. I've got a cube too, so my cube's just sitting in my closet, all dusty. The cube is the bomb. What is the cube? Actually, my cube is currently propping up my computer right now. Now that I think what about it. What is the cube? Is that like the storage container for your debt? No. Sorry. No. So the, a cube is just a, it's a format where, so it's a singleton format where there's one of each, like whatever cards you want to put into it. You're essentially, you make your own set kind of thing. And then you draft packs from that. So like if the four of us were all together, you know, each of us would, you know, shuffle up 15 random cards from this. And then we would draft that. But there's like, it's curated so that there's themes throughout it. So you're using pre-existing cards to make your own curated set. So you don't have to buy packs, which is what I, that was the whole reason I bought it. It was so, you know, because I haven't played in like five years since we were over at Shane's house playing, whenever that yeah. was. It wasn't five years ago, that was like two years ago. Yeah, for the, for a starter cube, right? Yeah. and it's At like Card Kingdom. Endless amount of play out of it, basically. And you can yeah. add and subtract what you want. It's essentially like having a board game. This is essentially what it is. So I just, it sits sits with my board games. And that's, you know. But I haven't played in a long time. We're going to have trouble because we don't have Chris telling us to do the next thing now. Well, <laughs> that being said, you know. They, I mean, there's got to are... be some overlap with Magic and Disc Golf, right? Yeah, that's absolutely. I would think so. In fact, our local game store, shout out to uh, WNY Gaming, um, they are a disc golf shop and a local card store. They sell um, Magic and all the other board games and card games. And um, I know Millennium Games in Rochester sells both too. So there's definitely some crossover. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... You know, both are entertaining. They're both fun. They're both hobbies that can get supremely expensive if you're not careful. Yeah, you can hit trees in both games. Anyone can park. <laughs> you can. You can tap trees in both. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those astute listeners out there might recognize that Rand Spank a new voice. Um, this is our first episode with a guest which is awesome so you have your three normal hosts john pat and chris are all here 
But we also have... Excuse me? Um, uh, yeah, John, Pat, and Chris, like I said. Um, Greg is not here. Greg <laughs> Greg couldn't be here tonight. Greg uh, got lost trying to buy his uh, Snoop Dogg wine. No, I didn't uh, get Snoop Dogg wine this time. <laughs> I got 90 plus sellers. So I don't know if that means this is intended for ni- uh, ages 90 and plus. Or this wine is somewhere distributed between... 90 different sellers at random locations, but I was intrigued. Wait, what's it called? It's called 90 plus sellers. Interesting. I yeah, thought you right. said it cost 90 plus dollars. I was like, damn. No, 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 no. Sorry. All I can say sellers. is this is Greg impersonation is spot on. Right. Me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's real good. But those <laughs> sultry tones you just heard are our friend and Pat's brother, Dan, uh, joining us from North Carolina, which is awesome. We've been wanting to have Dan on for a while. Um, yeah. We're going to do some discussions about everything disc golf and just kind of shooting the shit tonight. Um, and Dan's going to tell us a little bit about his experiences playing some of the better courses in the, sh- the greater Charlotte area. And Dan, what's the name of the course that's right near you that's highly ranked? I live in Raleigh, so I've been playing at Diavolo um, a good amount. So I've only been out to the Charlotte area once for work a few weeks back. You played so. you played Hornet's Nest out there? Nest, yeah. What'd you uh, think? We, was it was we, it as difficult as it looks? Yes. Um, <clears throat> it was mostly empty. It was a beautiful day afternoon. It was probably only in the fifties, but that's probably pretty too, too cold for the Carolinians. So um, <laughs> I had of course to myself and it was lovely. Yeah, I mean uh, we don't have to get into it now, but I will just say that whole course, <clears throat> know what shot it's asking you to, you just have to execute it. And, right. you know, I'd like to say I did, but fun. Let's put it that way. That's cool. And you said that like hole two, like the, if you watch the, uh, the pro tour championships, hole two, the one over the water, that wasn't like, that's only for the pros, right? Like that's not part of the normal course. Uh, they basically have a sign that the island green, if you will, is only for tournament play. So you're just throwing a very short, <clears throat> like 200 foot par three up along the side of the water. And, you know, um, I suppose you could throw at it if you want, because the island's not blocked off. There's just no basket there. So. Right. Cool. Did, was there, did you have a favorite hole at Hornet's Nest? Um, at the really long one, what was it? 16, 17? Um, <clears throat> Is that the one that's like, it really it's like a double S bend and it's super tight the whole way. Is that that one? Yeah. Yep. And that's only because I threw a pretty good drive. The rest of the hole, not so much, but it, it's long and a slight dog like left, probably like 800, 900 feet. And then a little uphill to get to the basket. It was awful, but it was an adventure, but I had fun with it. <laughs> that's good. And then you said in the Raleigh area, what, what courses have you played in the Raleigh area? Are there a bunch, or is it just... Yeah, you got Raleigh, Chapel Hill, Durham. So a bunch of colleges means lots of disc golf. So outside Raleigh and Cary, there are a few very good ones. We mentioned Diavolo, which I think just got ranked top 10 in the nation. And it only opened in October, so it can only get better. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's brand new. Dude, that's so disappointing, Um, because last... April or no, sorry, last March, I was down and staying in Raleigh for disc golf tourism. <laughs> yeah, 
too bad. I wish I had done. Sucks to suck, dude. Yeah, right. Yeah, we weren't friends yet. Oh, man. Yeah. No, there's a few courses in in carry that I really like. There's one, you know, most of them go through parks, just like anywhere else. Um, mm -hmm. There's the Apex Nature Park, which is beautiful. Um, there's one called Southern Village up by Chapel Hill that we really enjoy. Um, and there's one like right up the road from my house called the. Um, I don't even remember what it was called, um, but it's short and accessible, so it's pretty good for kind of beginners. Um, but it has nice. a little bit of challenge. So have, it's a good place for me to go and do a quick round and practice on some things that I'm working on, which is really convenient. Mm -hmm. have nice. You, have you ever been up to Roxboro? No. Um, do you know where that is? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, there's a Sasquatch course up there that I went to because when I was out there, I'm like, what courses? I'm like, I was trying to make like daily maps of where I was going to hit up, and I'm like, Sasquatch disc golf, got to do it, right? You got to do and it. And it's so fun because with the signage, there's like a narrative where as you progress through the course, it's like you're fighting Sasquatch and like at the tease, like he's shit talking you. This is Sasquatch. And then as you get further through the, the course, like he starts getting like bruises and like bandages, like you're beating him. <laughs> That's awesome. It's yeah. so cool. It's like, it's That's like so they cool. take what you see at a mini golf course. Like you go to Pirates Cove mm -hmm. and there's a story there, right? Yeah. <laughs> they just turn that to Yeah. And it was, yeah. A, it was a pretty good course. I would recommend it. If you ever, you know, have the day to go up there, you should take take the opportunity. I like sure that. I will. Sponsored by Jack Link's beef jerky. I'm actually I'm actually eating Jack Link's beef jerky right now. <laughs> Hashtag not a sponsor. No way. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, Danny, I have a question. So, I've never been to North Carolina, um, and the disc golf down there gets a reputation as a certain style of golf. So, like, if anybody is familiar with with ball golf or regular golf, you know, you hear a lot about Lynx style golf as a specific style of course and style of golf that you play on the course. You hear a lot about Carolina golf in disc golf is is that a, like do you feel like that's a real thing like do you notice that the courses you're going to are all very wooded and they all follow a pretty similar mold where they're all you know pretty tight fairways very wooded very technical or do you feel like it's a pretty good mix yeah most of the ones you'll have <clears throat> a good a plurality maybe if not most of the holes will all be depending on your t 200 to 350 pretty you know you're going to use your mid ranges a lot off the tee you're going to use your putters a lot off the tee um for, for most of the casual courses but i think that's a bit of an over exaggeration from the ones i played i think i've probably played half a dozen and they all have diversity like you'll have your fun no matter where you are um the more challenging thing about it is the weather it gets a little wet and humid <laughs> down here so sometimes yeah. it just gets a little muddy right um it's i think that's a slight over exaggeration there's going to be a lot of those, you know, 280s, pull out your mid-range and just try to throw sure. it straight, and it's pretty technical. Um, right. Most of them are pretty wooded. There's not a lot of, like, wide open in the park type ones, but. Yeah. It's very forehand friendly, too, for the right-handers. Yeah, I, I would say so. I can lefty yeah, myself. Do okay. There's a lot of guys down there that come that come out of North Carolina in general that are phenomenal woods players just because they master the different angles and shaping shots with putters and mid ranges and 
uh, the floor kind of cool. you know the type the types of woods and the types of trees you know they're the woods themselves have trees that are only you know that wide you know right. a bunch of these really skinny guys so that's it's easy for them to clear out but they don't need to make a ton of space so you'll see a lot of <clears throat> holes lined with thinny skin skinny but tall trees mm -hmm. so you know there's not a lot of big sprawling oaks you know it's, it's right. a little more narrow um so you, you find yourself in purgatory a lot but <laughs> it's not a lot of brush underneath right. it's, it's bare I, that's one thing i really like about disc golf is that like depending on where you are in the world and what like what elevation the the area is at or depending on you know the the types of forests in your area you know you have completely different styles of golf and different strategies and different courses and different views and i i feel like you know that's yes it's it's that way in golf to some extent but for the most part you have the same types of grasses um, you have the similar, you know, the same types of grasses. What are you talking about? Yeah, no, oh. they're similar. They're similar. No. There's not have that you ever big been to Florida, dude? The grass sucks down there. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> granted, okay. everything sucks down in Florida. It's a good thing. This is a discussion <laughs> podcast and we can, we can have yeah, a discussion. Right, so right. welcome well, to the red zone, Greg <laughs> or Chris, maybe, if I, if I will mm -hmm. go so for it. Back, John. I think um, layouts can be really similar in golf courses. There's a lot of yes. overlap. In disc golf, right. you're following the lay of the land instead of quite literally plowing a plot of land and making a golf course. So no, it's yeah. right. slightly, you're, you're a little bit more at the mercy of whatever right. terrain you're for sure. You're, right. right. You're not clearing the area, you're using the area. And that's, yeah, that's a good point. But yes, Greg, I apologize. The grasses are different. In different areas, I'm being pedantic, but I know, I know. The terrain well, on the about... course is very similar for golf courses. I just want to ask Dan a couple of things. Because, Go for it. Um, that his experience with golf sounds a lot like the experience that I encountered when I was down there, which is a lot of woods. And having gotten, uh, let's just say, some collisions with some trees that ended up with some frustration, I was looking for an alternative type experience and i did find it i did find it now i had to travel dan have you ever been out to the patriot disc golf i think in like kernersville i think it is it's it's like an hour west of raleigh have you ever been, been out to kernersville believe it or not. I, i've never been to the disc golf there okay so they have a, like a big um i think like memorial or like veterans like park and they have it's called patriot disc golf that course is a bomber course it is a ton of fun it's i think it's really well designed there's a lot of like variety of shots but you have so much more of open space so if you're ever as frustrated as i was in the raleigh area you know just <laughs> drive out you or anyone who lives out there who's listening in who, who needs you know to just whip it or hook some plastic go out to patriot <laughs> disc golf and enjoy around um that sounds like yeah, my style I mean, of course I'm telling, you, yeah. I'm telling you diavolo has room there's room um it is not there are probably only a few holes that are really 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 tight you're gonna have a shot most of the time there so if you're looking for a course that will let you whip it 
you're 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 good there, okay. at Diavolo. Have you you're, also you're, second you're, second course that I'm going to ask you about is Have you ever been down to Clayton and played the uh, what is it the Clayton Park down there? Ah, uh, okay. Writing I, all these down though. Yeah, you should write. You should play that one. I had a ton of fun playing there. Uh, super fair fairways in perspective of I played a week of golf down in North Carolina and then like one of the last days I played at Clayton and I'm like wow this is a breath of fresh air what was your favorite course down there Greg um well it's tough to say I actually forget a lot of the ones I played um which shame on me for doing so uh there was I have to can you come back to me as I look through them? But I guess in terms of just experience, sure. Sasquatch was like a standout one because I've never encountered awesome. never encountered a course that was having fun with itself with the signage as right. much as that that course did. Right. Uh, then uh, I think I have to go back to the Patriot Disc Golf Course down over in Kernersville, specifically because I feel like that's the farthest throws that i've ever been able to do which is super great i think i got like almost like a 450 maybe i i don't want to say 500 because i'm going to be like a fisherman tail you know everything's <laughs> always bigger than reality um but that was fun but I, I just you know just the the style of golf as dan had mentioned earlier is super technical and challenging and um, it was a breath. It was a different type of woods than I think that I find up in uh, New Hampshire where I play. Mm -hmm. I think it was actually more dense down in North Carolina than up here, which is really. Odd. I feel like New England is like known for unfair fairways. You mean just like trees in the middle of the fairway? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. And I feel like, and maybe I'm misremembering because it's been. Um, it feels like so long ago in the early days of COVID that it was just, it wasn't trees in the middle of the fairway. It was just tight fairways. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, golf down there has been around for a lot longer too. Like I feel like, I mean, North Carolina was one of the, Charlotte in particular was one of the birthplaces. I mean, that was kind of like one of the first hotbeds of, of disc golf. So it's kind of it's kind of cool to see how the the different regions evolved, you know their their style too. Because like you're right, New England and Carolina both have very different styles of golf, which has very different style of golf from Arizona, which has very different style of golf from California and Texas. You know, not to mention like in Texas, like during the Waco tournament that's going on, you know they're playing in super super severe winds you know mm -hmm. same thing in like oklahoma even vegas like we don't really flat. get that yeah right exactly so it's All it's flat. very cool to me that depending on where you go and what state you're in that the the golf is completely different you know it's mm -hmm. something that i really enjoy about the sport even within north carolina there was a huge variety of right. golf that i was playing because i actually went down to wilmington which is on the coast down in like the mm -hmm. southeast corner of the state, and I played, um, I forget what it's called, I played two courses there, but it was, one was like a putter course, which was like, I just destroyed, and it was great, and then the second course, it was a ton of fun, and it was all super sandy, 
So you had to play into that, right? Well, yeah, kinda, kinda I played cow. the same course. Oh, really? Played awesome. there too. Nice. My fiance's family lives down there. So, oh, sick. Yeah, it's like right near the state park. So it's not on the beach, but it's all sand. It's all dunes. Yeah, yeah um, that's cool. Oh, that sounds trees awesome. Are only, trees are only that tall, so they're, mm-hmm. they're the little naked trees. So you can find some angles and bomb it Dude, out. How is yeah, the bomb footing? over the trees? It's great. How is the footing in the sand? Yes. Mm, not as bad as you would think. No, it's no. Not bad. Yeah, I don't remember so it's having not like, trouble. Am I? I'm visualizing like soft beach beach sand. Like, is that not what we're it's talking a little, about? A beaten in for the most. Okay. Part. Yeah. It's, okay. It's more yeah. hard pack than like your your feet are sinking into it, but it's right, enough right. to really absorb the impact of the disc when it slams right. into the ground, so you don't get those huh. flares as much. That sounds cool it's too. Not a lot of leaf. Not a lot of leaf cover, so easy to find your disc too. That's a huge right. plus. Yeah, and like the trees are completely different. Like as Dan was saying, they're they're shorter, but there's um I, I, maybe I have a I want to look at my phone, but you know screw it, I'm paying attention to the podcast. Um, they are incorporated in the course. It's really cool. They're like low, but they like grow almost horizontally. And there's a couple of cool mm-hmm. shots where you have like the, I think I. Th- I don't remember which basket it is, but uh, there's one that you could throw like right through, like the main trunk of a tree that like sort of bends like an S almost. Oh, cool! Yeah, yes. Yeah, I might have even sent you guys a picture of that one way back when. I've definitely played there before. That sounds that's cool, man. Very cool. Very cool. man. I wish I knew you back then. Then we could have just gone <laughs> play. Dang it! Well, that's the great thing about our <laughs> network. We've got so many people all over the place. Including yeah, so, another another brother out in in Rome. So um, not that, Rome, New York. That being said, Rome, Italy. <laughs> that being said, if um, anyone out there who's an audience who's like these guys sound really cool, if you have room for like four adult boys and want to play <laughs> disc golf with us, hit us up on any of our socials, and we will make it a point to come out and play golf with you. And explore your area, and then feature it on this podcast. Yeah, we. I mean, that is definitely a thing we'd like to do. Yeah, we want we want to definitely see more than what's local, and if we got f- people that are willing to help us experience it to the fullest, like that's going to be even better. So that would be fantastic. Yeah. So I mean, we just got done talking about courses that we're looking forward to playing and whatnot. Now, with you know, being fairly early in the new year and all of us having acquired some new plastic or having, you know, our eyes on some new plastic down the road. Is there anything this year, whether it's a new disc or whether it's new to you, is there anything, Pat, that you're looking forward to throwing this year? Is there, what's, what's your, I guess the best way to frame this is what is the disc for you that you're looking most forward to to using and throwing and elevating your game in 2021. Yeah, man, I I came up with the answer to this pretty early because I got to play a lot as the weather got better up here in upstate New York. So um, it's one that my fiance wanted to figure out what to get me for Christmas related to disc golf. And she actually came to you, John, for advice on what to grab. And she got me a gift card to OTB. So I picked up three discs from there. And honestly, the one that I got 
of the three that I've been using the most and has been most useful and kind of unlocked a part of my game that I haven't had before is it's not a brand new disc, but for me it is. It's actually a Page Pierce Undertaker. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just, it has, how John would describe it, it's like a longer buzz, you know, like the Stalker is in the same line, and then it goes right up to the Undertaker next. It is definitely can, a very straight fairway, for sure. It's it's just, you can hit the lines that you want with it. You can pump it and give it everything you got. It's going to go right down where you want it to go. And, you know, for me, with my medium uh, arm speed, it's it's a weapon for me because I can I can take it on any line. I can anheuser, I can hyzer. I can throw it at a standstill on, on slick ice, and I can still crank it out pretty good. So that's... For me, that's going to change how I play disc golf this year. So my 2021 disc is the Discraft Undertaker. So you feel like it's going to change your game just because you're going to get that longer straight shot, like for wooded courses. Um, yeah. Like oh, it's a Jay Park monster. I can literally. Oh yeah. It's, I, I can imagine. There's not any hole that's less than or more than 250 feet. You know unless it's a really hard turn that I'm not considering throwing it off the tee, you know, cause I could do almost anything with it. There's a lot to be said for comfort like that, man. Yeah. The rim, the rim is perfect on it. It's just like in that same ilk as the buzz. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it feels nice. It's the right amount of flat. It's just, I glides for I days. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Greg, what are you looking forward to throwing this year? I have two things. <laughs> okay. ESB, I always have to catch myself from finishing that with an N, zone, <laughs> um, because I threw a zone in my bag after, I think, you, John. Hell yeah. Um, I had a Z, but ESP has always had like a, like a great sort of feel in my hands. I so. 100% agree. I think I, I I've needed to have an ESP zone, so I'm looking forward to. Uh, they fly a little different to the Z zone too. They're a little less stable, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. They, they glide. They glide a little bit more, which is which is nice for the zone. I mean, if you want something that completely dumps out of the air, the Z is nice. But I, I the ESP and the Z flex are my two favorite for zones. So I'm glad to hear you finally put one in your bag. That makes me mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I need to do more rounds with that. So I'm looking forward to mastering that. Will and that be your forehand, or is that a backhand, or primarily forehand disc? I you? feel like for me that it depends on the angle. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to be more of a distance-oriented decision. Okay. Um, so I want to learn how to use it in both back and forehand, but I'm mm-hmm. probably going to be using it with the 200 and less feet approach. Yeah, that's pretty much what I use mine for, um, primarily forehands. I will still use a pig for anything that's like 100 and less, maybe okay. 125 and less. Forehand? I love my pig. Forehand. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, love I, my, I love my pig. Um, <laughs> it's my Innova. I don't know why. It, Innova, uh, can, you, can you get on making a premium plastic pig for my boy? The man please. just wants a he wants a champion please. and a star pig. Can can we make that I happen? I really please? do. I really do. Greg Wolf Tour Series twenty twenty one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, if you just send me some white pigs in like star plastic, 
I will make you some custom dyed pigs and then I'll send them back to you into the, and then you can just label them as like first edition wolf discs. There you go. You got them. The, there you, know, you go. You can send me even three pigs and then you can do like the whole like fairy tale type. You know, That's right. Yeah. So what's the other thing you're looking forward to? Um, I picked up, but I actually haven't thrown yet. Okay. The Greg Barsby Roadrunner? I think it's a Roadrunner. Very nice. Yeah. Is that Champ or is it Star? It's Star. Oh, okay. Why, why Have you, you ever that? thrown? No, I'm saying, oh, I isn't a. That's good. I like the Star plastic. I do like the Star plastic too. I, I I don't. I'm in my hand the super rigid plastics. I just I like the grip of the the other blends better. I do too. For the most um, part. And so what I want to use the Roadrunner for is the rolls. I want to get into yeah. rolling. Because okay. I was playing Brewster Ridge last year, and I'm just like, this is I'm going to play a roller-only round. It didn't survive <laughs> the first couple holes, that plan, that is. But I feel every time I throw a roller, it's there's so much drama in every throw. It's like <laughs> I can sit back and just commentate on my throw. It's great. Right. I love it. Is it hole one for the Pro Tour? Is it Brewster or is it Fox Run that Kevin Jones threw that amazing roller in the practice round? Or it was like a skins match maybe for Jomez? It was a couple years ago. It was, it was for the Worlds when the Worlds were at at Smugs. Um, I, I can't remember if it was. So which is the... I remember when he was in a skins match, I think, with Paul McBeth. Yep, that's the one. And there was Paige Pierce. Yes, and, and Germ and Sexton were commenting. I forget who it. was the fourth. Who was the fourth player? KJ, Paul. Was it James Conrad? No, I don't think so. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. I could be I could be wrong. It could have been James. And if it was, I'm sorry, James. You're great. Um, <laughs> but if that was the case, if you're referring to that, that was Fox Run. Okay. It's the one, like... I think it was the one that you spotted for Cat on, right? Like, yeah. where yeah. it's like you have to cross that little bridge, like the T-pads across the bridge, and the fairway like goes up to the left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. that. That's Fox Run. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Arsby threw, he he threw a roller there in the worlds, if I remember correctly. That's insane. I don't think I could ever throw a roller. Well, maybe I, maybe in the future, but not now. I don't know. Kevin Jones got up in there and parked that, but the the Roadrunner, have you ever thrown a Roadrunner? Like have you ever used one? No. It So, yes for rollers. Rollers are it's like I think it's bread and butter, but don't sleep on the Heiser flip potential. Like the wooded Heiser flip, nice easy throw it like I don't know, 60% and just nice buttery smooth Heiser flip in the woods quick tip for any newbie who's listening in is you can kind of judge overall stability which is sort of like a loosely defined term when it comes to describing discs based on the sum of the last two digits on discs so i don't know if we've ever gone over the flight numbers and john why don't you take just go for it no no you're way more articulate when it comes to this so i'll leave it to you but to go over the flight numbers? To go over the flight numbers. There's four numbers primarily. There's your speed, there's your glide, there's your turn, and then there's your fade. The speed 
essentially refers to the uh, uh, the rim width is is they're directly correlated. Uh, the thicker the rim, the higher the speed of disk is. It's an arbitrary number, but it's the higher the number, the more arm speed it requires to get the disk up to you know to fly the way that it's designed to fly by the factory. Um, so the more revolutions the disk needs to attain that natural flight that the factory manufactured it for. Um, a disc might fly completely different for you if you don't have the proper speed to throw a, a, you know, a particular disc. Um, so that's the speed. Again, it's the rim width and the revolutions required to get the disc up to its desired flight path. The glide, pretty self-explanatory, but it's, you know, the higher the glide number, the longer it's going to kind of be lofty and stay in the air, which you would think for a Frisbee, something we're, we're throwing plastic here, you would think we're trying to keep everything in the air for the long period of time. But there's a lot of situations in disc golf where you want something that's going to dump out of the air quickly. Um, or maybe you're an overhand guy and you want something that's going to um, just get to the ground. It's going to do its do its thing and get to the ground. Um, or a backhand spike hyzer or whatever the case may be. Maybe you just you have a situation where you need it to get to the ground. Well, you might want to go with a lower glide disc. Um, so, you know, you may not want it to have a ton of glide. Um, so that's the second number. So you have speed, glide, and then turn is high speed stability. So it's when it's up at its peak speed, when you reach that peak speed, that number, the, the you know, that number can go into the negatives. If it's a negative number, that means that it's going to turn over from the natural side it wants to fade. So if I'm a right-handed backhand player, a disc naturally wants to fade to the left. So a negative flight number in the turn area is going to mean that it's going to go to the right in the mid-flight of the turn. Um, and then the fade means how much it's going to come back to its natural fade. So again, right-handed backhand player, if I'm throwing something, the fade is how much it's going to go to the left at the end of the flight. So, you know, the speed is how long it takes or how much it takes to get it up to the desired flight, the glide, how much it stays in the air, turn, how much it's going to go to the right for a right-handed backhand player, to the left for a left-handed backhand player, and then the fade is how much it's going to go in the opposite direction, how much it's going to fade back. Um, so with something like the Roadrunner has, I believe, is it a negative so, three? I want to say it's four. Negative four. So it's like it's nine, four, nine, five, negative four. Is that? Um, I don't exactly remember the glide value. Yeah, me either. But so negative four and then it's got a fade of, you know, it's one it's or two. One. I think it's one. Yeah. So it's designed to ride to that, you know, opposite the way that you're throwing so for a right-handed backhand player that's something that's going to go out it's going to stay straight and then it's going to slowly fade to the right which is which is a cool shot to have in your bag especially if you're somebody like myself who struggles with a forehand so that's you know that type of disc for me that's an avenger ss for someone who throws primarily discraft um but the avenger the roadrunner is an all-time great i think you, you'd probably have to put a roadrunner at least i would in a top 10 all-time discs ever created, really? um, which I think that might have to be a topic for a, an episode here one day. But yeah, I think I would put that up there. So I think you're going to really enjoy it. I mean, looking forward to seeing the rolls and hearing some stories about some Heiser flips that you do with it. 
Hell yeah. What about that? So, so real quick, I appreciate that explanation. So what I was going to say is uh-huh. for people who don't really understand what the idea of stability is, the way I kind of judge it is I add the last two digits. So the turn and the fade and the sum of those two digits, the more negative it is, the less stable it is. That's a good, that's, that's cool. I've never heard of anybody doing that, but that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I forget exactly. Maybe it was Casey White. Um, shout out to him. It's great. Um, I think he his, one of his videos maybe had recommended doing so, but that's sort of the strategy that I've done. And yeah, so that makes sense. What what do unstable discs do for you? Um, like had J- John had mentioned to me earlier, which is use a hyzer flip, but also I wanted to use it as a roller. So like, if you get an unstable disc like a Roadrunner it's pretty capable of doing both of those things because if you put it on a hyzer, it's going to want to flatten out just as if it came out of your hand flat, it's going to want to go right. Um, so if I put it on an anhyzer, which means that the far end of the disc from where I have it in my hand is elevated in respect to my hand, it's going to want to hold that angle and then potentially get on the ground to then continue to to rotate, or revolve, excuse me, to then roll like a wheel and hence a roller. Um, so it's a tough it's, shot it's, to get down. It's it is hard. tough, and which is why I got it because I nice. <laughs> I knew it was a fairly popular disc. I didn't have a super understable disc in my hand, which I could. Now I can't say that because I put a Roadrunner in there, so I'm right. really looking forward to use, using it and learning it. Yeah. Dan, is there something either coming out or something that you're you're looking forward to, you know, throwing this year? Is there a disc that you have in mind? Yeah, I mean, it's something you actually turned me on to a few weeks ago. It's the Avenger SS. Um, <clears throat> not only for an <clears throat> not only for an uh, uh, an understable backhand, which um, I have decent enough backhand speed to to get those. 10-ish, maybe a, not 10-speed discs to do what they need to do. Um, but I'm working very hard on a forehand. That is a disc I can throw a... I don't have to crank it forehand and get a very good, reliable S-curve on it. And That's I didn't brilliant. initially intend for it to be that, but uh, I tried it just a couple of weeks ago. And just with a flick of the wrist, a very beautiful flight path. And sometimes I'm going to need that just to, for me as a left-handed person to you know, move right and come back left for me mm-hmm. um, super useful um i've actually thrown it more successfully forehand so far but i've only used it a couple of times so that is my 2021 disc weapon of choice so far um because i am working on the forehand and it's starting to pay off a little bit so that's a we're going to use that as a good teachable moment because that's something that a lot of players don't do like myself included, when I I struggle with a forehand, and when I go to throw a forehand, a lot of times I'm reaching for the most overstable disc in my bag, because it's like you know a safety blanket, and it's like me sucking my thumb, knowing that you know no matter how bad I screw this throw up, I know it's going to the right. I know that this forehand is going to go that direction for me. So you know, but being able to do that and learn that with an understable disc, I think is a phenomenal teaching strategy and like when you're learning 
a forehand with an understable disc, you really have to learn the form correctly, and it allows you to shape those shots. That's one thing that um, Big Germ, that Jeremy Colling does so well, is he, he is known for throwing understable fairway drivers on forehand lines, and it allows you to shape shots a lot better with the you know with your forehand you know it's it's really cool i think that's a really nice strategy and the avenger ss is a great disc to do that so and i think it was either you or patrick just sent me an instructional video i don't remember the the gentleman who did it but he made it really simple about finding the grip yeah finding the grip and i literally did what the video said which was don't use an arm to practice just flick with your wrist every disc in your bag your putters your mid-ranges and just get that motion down and then eventually graduate to it and it's paying off Um, and it's becoming you know when i play 22 holes and i'm just cranking backhands and i'm getting tired (laughs) saves you a little energy too yeah true that's a dark robbie t wasn't it was it well, yeah, I'll have to go back. long dark hair glasses. Hey, uh, Pat, would yeah. you be able to just post that a link to that video on our social? I will, so, yeah, absolutely, sweet. yeah. Thank and you. if that's our boy Robbie, shout out, shout out to Robbie C. We yeah. gotta, we should tag him Robbie's in that. Man. Yeah, no, you know what I found was a good was... find for me today, John. What's that? It was the the PD, the freak, really. Such a good disc. Oh man, I threw that twice today at Prospect and Troy, and it like went straight and then just died a little bit to the left. Like, very impressive. I didn't have to do too much to it, it just went. That's one of the things that I loved about it. That kind of parlays into the, uh, my the, the disc that I'm looking forward to. Sorry to cut you off, Dan. Um, the disc that I'm looking forward to this year, Pat, is very similar to the PD. Um, I am a as I've said many times on this podcast already in our <laughs> brief tenure, um, fan. I am I am a, a Discraft stan and ride or die, baby, ride or die. Um, but I like that flight from the PD. And Discraft used to have the Avenger, which is out of production. They don't make it anymore. But for Ledgestone, they did a, a drop this year and are doing some out of production molds and brought the Avenger back. And the Avenger flies very similar to the PD in my experience. Um, and I was able to get one of the new big Z Avengers um, that, you know, I, I'm very excited to throw that. Um, the, I like that style of disc as a control driver, that 10 speed. I really like that as a control driver, you know, when I need something to go straight for a long ways with a little bit of fade that, you know, I don't have a ton of room to, you know, take my Hades and, and do a, a big sweeping, you know, f- uh, turnover shot or big sweeping, you know, full flight turnover to fade shot. Um, you know, the, the Avenger is, is great. It's got a ton of glide. It just goes, I've tried the Onyx, which I thought was going to be a good um, comparable to the, PD, but I just I don't think it's quite there. I think it's a little bit too overstable for me. Um, and the Avengers just it sits in that pocket so well that you just put enough snap on it, it just rides, glides, and then fades out. But yeah, Even that's for me, with yeah, it's, it's, it still works great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Not, the Raptor, the Raptor's just slower, right? The Raptor's slower. It's a nine-speed, um, and it's more overstable. 
It's um, yeah. it's more akin to a. It's not it's not the same, but it's more akin to a Firebird from Innova than it is mm-hmm. to or an FD three from uh, from Discmania, as opposed right. to a PD. The PD is is a little faster, a little bit more glidey. Um, it's meant right. to do something different, but yeah, both great discs. Yeah. So, speaking of discs, oh baby, now? oh yeah, we are. We yeah. are. It's everybody's favorite game. <laughs> we we really need to talk to some. If you're a listener out there who has some musical talents and is interested in making some theme music. Or you know, we we would we would love some theme music for our segments. So if you if you're interested in that kind of thing, hit us up. Um, we are going to play a game of disc or that, which is always a great time. If you're new here, we are going to be choosing between a um, is it a disc or is it a um, something of another category. This is going to be a disc or a World War II era fighter plane, boys. So I hope you guys read up on your uh, World War II era <laughs> fighter planes. Um, and I'm hoping this one's pretty tough. Uh, again, listeners, we are going to be playing through nine holes. And if they get it right, they go one up like match play. Um, if they get it wrong, they just don't gain a point. They don't lose any points for that. Um, and then at the end of nine holes, we'll find out who our uh, our winner is, and we will go from there. You guys have any questions before we get started? No, All right, no good. questions from anybody. Good deal. Okay. Fellows, let's... Or both, right? It, oh, yes. Sorry about that. So it's either a disc, it's either a World War II era fighter plane, or it could potentially be both. And that is where this game gets tricky. It cannot be neither, correct? It cannot be neither. No, it is It is either a disc, that, or both. There is, there is no neither. That's favorite question. Yep. Okay. All right. So the T order today be is hard. Like, yeah, it is. Uh, it's going to be Pat, Dan, and then Greg um, cleaning up here. Again, we're playing through nine holes. Pat, you're on the tee first. First question is Gemini. What do you think, Pat? Is that a disc? Is it a World War II era plane? Or is it both? Gemini's twins. Uh, my goodness. So I am a Gemini. You know, Me May too. 28th birthday. There we go. Oh, yeah, that's right, buddy. So I'm going to go... Quick answer, just a plane. Just a plane. Okay. All right. Dan, you're up next. Gemini. Mulligans off the first tee? <laughs> no. <laughs> no breakfast balls here. <laughs> I think this is a disc. I'm going to say disc only. Okay. Wow. And how we're, about We're going to split three ways. I'm going to say both. Woo! All right, I like it. All oh, right, so we have, gonna... <laughs> we have Pat went with just a plane, Dan went with just a disc, and Greg went with both. Let's find out. Let's see what we got here, listeners. It is, in fact, just a disc. Oh. It is oh. a very old school disc. I, I, <laughs> it is, it's an old disc that is no longer in production, but that's one up to Dan. So we've got Dan at one up and Pat and Greg at zero. That was right. a courtesy. 
Yeah. Okay. You're just spotting him a point starting off here. Uh huh. It's guest. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Dan, you are up on the tee first. Um, we have Dan, Pat, Greg, and it is going to be hole two. Warhawk. W A R H A W K. Warhawk. What do you think, Dan? I'm going to say disc and World War II era fighter plane. Okay. Pat? Yeah. First, can we do disc or that disc or American Gladiator? That would be great. It may or may not already be in the works. Yes. That would be so great. Um, I'm going to say both as well. Okay. That's a triple. We're going B's across the board. All right. Let's find out. Here we go. Warhawk. It is, in fact, just a plane, fellas. No. It is just a sweet plane. Okay, so what we need to do is make the Warhawk. (laughs) It's a sick name. It is. It's a very good name. It'll be the the Greg Wolf Warhawk pig. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah, it'll be our version of a pig, and we'll just do it in premium plastic. And it would be sick with that like mouth. If there's any artists out there who want to like design me a stencil image for a warhawk pig, I'll I'll put it on some pigs. <laughs> no, it has to be a war pig. Yeah, war pig. Right. I love it. A warhog. Warhog. All right. Yeah. So after hole after hole two, we have Dan at one and Greg and Pat at zero. Heading into hole three, we are going to have the same T order. It's going to be Dan, Pat, Chris, or Dan, Pat, Greg. I almost called you Chris again. I'm sorry. Um, here we go. Hole three. The Kingfisher. Kingfisher. What do you think, Dan? Disc that or both? Uh, I'm going to say just the. I'm just say just that. Just the plane. All right, Pat. I'm going to say just a disc, actually. Okay. And Greg, I feel like this is a recording already. <laughs> I'm gonna say both. <laughs> okay, Greg's going both. Let's an find aquatic out. ship or aquatic plane. It is in fact an aquatic plane from the World War II uh-huh. era. Damn. It wow. is a plane. So that is another point to Dan. All right, these are yeah, sick names. Fine. You gotta just you know make these discs. Yeah, right. I think that's a good Hell idea. Yeah. That's a it's a cool line of discs. Um, all right. So again, after hole three, a floating disc. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So after hole three, Dan's up two. Pat and Greg are all square at zero. Hole four, same same T order is going to be Dan, Pat, Greg, Danny, Wildcat. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to all the cat owners out there. Indeed. <laughs> myself amongst you i'm going to say both okay yeah both for me too pat Pat is going both and how about greg hmm my track (laughs) record has said both (laughs) but now that both the other contestants have said so now i'm suspicious i know the wildcat is definitely a plane Wildcat definitely sounds like something I would imagine Innova making. So, guess what? I'm going to say both. Okay. All right. Let's find out together here. It is, in fact, both. Yay. However, it is a Discraft disc, not Innova. So, but did it I get is... a point? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, Everybody gets a point. You get a point, and you get a point, and you get a point. So it's all square at one for Pat and Greg, and Dan is still two ahead at three. Same T order heading into hole five. Here we go. Dan, Ati. I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. A H T I. Ati. Um, I will say both again. Okay. Pat? So it looks like it could be like an acronym. Okay. But I think that's what you're trying to make me think, you Trixie, <laughs> Trixie Hobbit. Okay. So I'm going to say just disc. Okay. And Greg? This is when I ask if neither is an option. But I know neither. <laughs> neither is not an option. Um, so I am going to. <laughs> Are we including foreign planes as well? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I want to say just a disc. Okay, so we've got Pat with just a disc, Dan with both, and Greg with just a disc. Let's find out together, shall we? It is just a disc. It is made by Westside. Um, unfortunately, our man Chris couldn't be here tonight, but he's a big Westside fan, so I put it in there. This thing, <clears throat> this thing is an overstable fairway driver. Um, I know there's several people out in Buffalo around here that really like it. It's got a very cool stamp on it. Um, big fan of the Westside stamps. But... Is this a cool stamp? The guy is just petting a fish. Dude, it's a pike. <laughs> he's trying to... How often is, have you seen is, a pike? Is Poseidon, is Poseidon petting a yeah. pike? So, like, yeah, you think Poseidon is in the ocean. No, he's, like, he's on vacation. He's in a lake, and he's just, you know, stroking a pike. How is that cool? Like, what? Maybe that's a wild. Even Poseidon needs some fresh water, you know? <laughs> Could be a wild. Listen, listen, listen. The fact of the matter is we've got Pat... And Greg gaining some ground here. I think the so weirdest after... thing is it looks like the pike is enjoying it. Dude, he, <laughs> he would be like tapping his flipper like a dog taps his foot. Like, oh, wow. He's like, don't stop right there. <laughs> you guys are overthinking this. I'm sorry. So... You're so beautiful. <laughs> after hole five, we have Pat with two, Greg with two, and Dan still in the lead with three. So we are going to go... The, the order for this one is going to be Pat, Greg, Dan. And moving on to hole six here, fellas. Ooh. Avenger. Both. Pat's going both. That's an easy might both. Be, might be a cupcake here. All right, Greg's going both. And Dan. Did we lose Dan? I'm here. What do you got I for me? You, oh, you said both? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm sorry. It's okay. So we've got both across the board here. Does anybody care to give me their reasoning for choosing both? I know I just talked about it in the previous segment, but. I don't know. It just sounded like it'd be a sweet plane. And we all know Same. it's a disc because we just talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I agree. All right. Let's find out. It's both. Um, yeah. It is, in fact, a Discraft driver that I just got done talking about. It is a control driver. And it is also a World War II-era fighter jet. All right. So our fighter plane. I guess it wouldn't be a jet. Yeah, um, it's got Correct. So, again, everybody gets a point here. So we've got Pat with three, Dan with four, and Greg with three. 
T order is going to be the same. It's going to be Pat, Greg, Dan. Oh, here we go. Heading into hole seven. See, we just gave him a head start. We're on his heels. It's okay. Yeah, yeah you guys are yeah. you guys are T Max represent. Hell yeah. Here Jump. we go. All right. Pat. Cub. C U B Cub. Plane. Just a plane. And Greg? Same. Just a plane. Dan? Well, I'm gonna bucket. I'm gonna go with both. Okay. Plane and disc. All right, let's find out here. Cub. It is just a plane, as far as yeah. I know. It is just yeah. a plane. There is no PDGA approved disc as of this point called the Cub. All right. So a after plane. a mini. Yeah, it would be a great mini, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. I think that'd be an awesome name for a mini. All right. So hole seven. Nice shout out to all the shout out to all the Cougars and Cubs out there. so after hole seven we are officially all square boys can you explain to me what a cub is in that context i don't know just the young stud that the cougar goes after you know i didn't know that was a thing (laughs) i didn't know that i honestly this is i'm learning thank you that's what they're called thank you hashtag family show Uh... after hole seven we're all square at four so we are we've got two holes left to play we've got anybody's game here Anybody's game here. Heading into hole eight, we have the same order. It's going to be Pat, Greg, Dan. Here we go. Hole eight, Pat, FX2. Disc. Just a disc. That's a disc. Greg. Yep. Just a disc. Dan, F. Colleagues seem really sure it's it's a disc. Who? No, I, will, I will follow. I will just say disc. Okay. No blood there. It is just a disc, just a disc. It's made by Prodigy. I was hoping that 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 name would 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 get you. Now, correct it me did. if I'm wrong. Is this the fairway driver that was molded with for Chris collaboration for Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a pretty cool stamp, especially for our brand. I like that. It's cool. Our what do you mean our brand? X step. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, Prodigy, you want to make us a FX2 specific X-Step stamp? We'll make it worth your while. Say something okay. about this, too? I sure. didn't say that, John did. I, I thought when I first saw this, I saw the 400G, and I'm like, you're making a 400-gram disc? Like, <laughs> it's going to be a tank. <laughs> no, it's just, that's how <laughs> Prodigy does their plastics. It's like... 100 200 300 g 450 like what i don't even know what their plastics are i don't like get, actual i get like the like sequence i just don't get why they use the letter g because that is inherently confusing with the grams yeah i agree yeah. with you 100 percent. i don't know if it's like grains like you're throwing but... like you know a brick that's shaped like a disc. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a I'm not a plastic manufacturer. If there's anyone who knows about like blends of plastics, and if that's significant, the letter G in any way, please. Will Will Schuster, if you're out there and you want to come on the podcast, hit us up. Oh hell yeah! yeah. On Absolutely. Instagram, X Step Disc Golf on Instagram, hit us up. Send us a DM. We'd love to have you on. We'd love to talk plastic with you and your naming conventions, because quite frankly, I don't understand them. Um, all right. So, fellas, I am excited because we are all square at five. We're knotted up at five, headed into the final hole. So there's some real room for uh, for some blood to be taken here. Um, we're going to go with the same order because uh, everything's still all square. 
So it's Pat, Greg, Dan heading into the final hole here. We have Hellcat. H-E-L-L-C-A-T. Hellcat. Pat, you're on the tee first. Man. Okay, so I know the Hellcat is car. I dodge. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go both. I'm gonna. I'm gonna risk it with both. Okay, Greg. I'm gonna say plane only. Oh boy. Okay, and Dan. Have a winner. No, it's a type of guitar too. But I'm gonna also say plane only. Okay, okay. Here we go. Final hole. What do we got? Did you probably pull it out? It is, in fact, both. Uh, it is both. Yeah. It is both. It Heck, is yeah. Ooh, both. The plane is on the disc. Yes, it is. Uh, there is a a brand of disc that their naming convention is after planes. Um, I can't remember which it is. Um, if it was, it's not. It's not Millennium. It doesn't matter. But anyway, the Hellcat is, in fact, a disc, and it is a plane. Which puts Patrick Powers at six, Dan and Greg at five. So that means that Pat is our winner for this week's Disc or That. And that is Disc or World War II era planes. So nice job, guys. Well done. All right, man. Feels good with the win on that uh, Disc or That. Uh, we're going to throw it over to John with our uh, Coach's Corner segment. So here's a little knowledge for you guys. Johnny, take it away. Thank you, sir. Um, I look forward to this uh, this segment when we get a chance to do it. It is something that I really enjoy doing. This week, I think something that is good to go over, you know, in any athletic, whether we're talking disc golf or we're just talking general athletics, is visualization. And it's something that's completely underutilized um, for the most part. And it's something I think a lot of people could really benefit from. So this week's practice plan is focused around visualization. One of the things that going to an open field allows you to do is both, it's both a benefit and it's also a drawback sometimes, is it gives you a blank canvas for creativity. And with an open field, you get the opportunity to be able to use your imagination and visualize shots. You know, I'm thinking like if you have ever played a Tiger Woods golf video game, you can see the flight path of the ball. Um, same thing, you know, a lot of times in like Disc Golf Valley, if you've played that, um, you can see the flight path of the disc. And you're trying to get that visualization of the disc's flight path or your desired flight path of the disc in your head. So when you're stepping up to a shot, you're you're not just picturing the obstacles in front of you, you know, you're not just picturing your target, but you're also visualizing the actual flight of the disc. One thing that really helped me is when I started learning, you know, to do these practice routines, I would visualize the actual flight path of my disc. So as it left my hand, what is it doing in the air? And I'm drawing a line and I'm seeing this imaginary line be created as the disc is flying. And having an open field really allows for that. Um, sometimes it can be too much, you know, creative freedom and it, it can overload you. Um, and that's what some of the other drills are for. But today, like I said, we're focusing specifically on visualization. So some of the drills that I have to help out with visualization um, are the three that I have here. 
The first one, I call it visualize an attack. Um, this is a great drill. This is something that I think could benefit any level of player, whether you're a rec player, whether you're a pro player. Visualize an attack is a great drill. Think of it this way. You're going to picture you know, a, a full hole in, in your practice routine. Um, I think it was Brian Earhart is where I got this, this type of drill from. Um, shout out to Brian. But this type of drill is a more realistic practice scenario for someone who plays in tournaments or someone who is looking to better their um, course, their, their golf game, not necessarily, you know, their, their form for distance or their accuracy for putting or accuracy for upshots. This one is your, your golf acumen. This is going to help you get better at golf. Um, so you start out uh, on whatever field you're, you're on. It can be any field. Um, if you have a practice basket, that's great. Put a practice basket out in the field. If you don't, that's fine too. Um, but the big thing here is that you start out, you're picturing a generic par four disc golf hole. You're going to start out with a full drive. So it's a full power drive. Um, you're going to throw your drive. And from there, you don't even, ha you don't have to go to the next shot. You're going to throw a mid and then you're going to throw your putter and then you are going to putt. So that's why having the practice basket is nice. Um, because if I'm in the same spot, I throw my driver, let's say it goes 350 feet. Then I throw my mid, it goes 200 feet. Then I throw my uh, putter, it goes 200 feet, and I make a putt, okay? So that's how I start warming up for this drill um, as I go through that a couple times. I might do that two or three times. As you move a little bit further through it, you really want to start visualizing the flight path of the disc. So not just throwing the drive, the mid, the putter. Um, you want to really visualize the flight of the disc as you're going forward. Um, with the full power drive, you want to just focus on, you know, a nice flat shot to begin with. But as you go through, you can get creative, like I said, and you can start trying to do flex force overs. You can start trying to do, um, you know, spike hyzer drives. You can start trying to do some different things. You know, uh, if you want to try some rollers, whatever the case is, you're starting out with your drive and then a mid range or an upshot and approach. Um, and then finish with a putt. That's important. Now, we talked about in a previous episode, talked about con your comfort zone and having that comfort zone established and knowing that when your disc lands in that comfort zone, you are going to make that putt 100 out of, you know, 100% of the time. Um, if you have not done that, please see a previous practice plan. You can visit our social media or you can reach out to us and we'd be happy to get that to you. Um, but you need to establish your comfort zone for putting. And you're going to keep that basket at the very edge of your comfort zone. Um, so you take your full power drive, your mid, your upshot, and then you finish with a putt every single time. Um, visualize like I had said. Repeat that four or five times. All in all, should take you a little over a half hour if you do it right. Sometimes I spend an entire practice session. I spend an hour or two doing just this one drill where it's a drive, it's a mid, it's a putter approach, and then I finish with a putt. Um, I think it's realistic practice, and it's great, and I think that you know it's something that can benefit anybody. That's why it's the first drill on the plan. The next one, in the same you know vein as, as the previous you know uh, visualize an attack, we have know your enemy. Now, know your know your enemy is something that you need a little bit of knowledge of your courses, and this is another one that 
you need some creativity. So if that's not you, then stick with the first drill. But this is another drill that you can do if you want to add a little bit of creativity to your practice routine. Pick a hole, okay? A hole in a local course or some a course that you've played that gave you trouble. I can think of a few in my local area that are nightmare holes for me. When I step up to the tee, they, you know, my head scrambles and I don't know what to do, or I just never play the hole well. So you're going to pick that hole or a hole that is like that, and you are going to visualize the hole. So not just the flight path, but now you're visualizing the entire actual surroundings, the entire disc golf hole. As you're going through, you need to have that very clear picture in your head. Um, while you're doing this, you need to, you know, again, picture everything, whether it's the OB, whether it's the uh, the target at the end, whether it's the fairways, picture everything super clearly. You're going to start with your drive, and it needs to be the exact drive you would use on that hole. So picture the hole that you're visualizing. Whatever you would throw off that tee is the exact shot you need to start with for this, this drill. Have a clear picture of the angle, of the line, of the release, the shot shape, and the landing area. You're going to take your upshot next. Okay, so if this is a hole where you go driver upshot, um, you want to go right to your upshot. Maybe it's a mid, maybe it's a, a putter, it's whatever your upshot is. After you've done that, make the putt from the edge of the comfort zone. Okay, and you can start pushing that back as you go through a couple of these. Um, if you don't have a putter available, a good thing to do is to just pick a target. So, like if you're on a football field, use the field goal post and just use like object golf where you putt and try to have your putter hit the a specific spot on the on the post. Um, if you don't have your comfort zone established, again, you need to do that prior to doing this drill. Um, if you don't have a comfort zone established, please see previous uh, plans. Um, one example that I can give is a local course here, Como, hole 10, is a 476-foot par 4. Um, it's slightly uphill. There's a creek about 50 feet wide, 225 feet off the tee. The angle of the hole doesn't allow me to comfortably clear the creek. My normal play is to throw a putter off the tee to the edge of the creek and then attack the green with a fairway driver. To practice this hole, I will start my drive with a putter to about 200 feet. The reason I do that is so that I don't go into the creek. If I start with a putter off the tee, generally I'm not going to be able to reach the creek and it'll set me up for a good shot with my fairway driver, like I said. Um, my second shot would be with a fairway driver backhand or a slight flex with an overstable fairway driver, and I would finish it with a comfort zone putt. So I, when I'm practicing this, I would go putter, fairway driver on a flex line, and then I would finish with a comfort zone putt from about 25 feet from me. And again, I'm going to repeat this four to five times depending on you know what I'm trying to practice. This drill is great if you're trying to practice for a specific tournament at a course and you need to know a specific hole and not being able to get to the course, you can do this from the field. Um, so that's this is another drill that requires a lot of imagination, but it's great. Have fun with it. The final drill in this practice plan is what would you do? Now, this is something that, again, more so than most of our lesson plans, requires a lot of imagination because that's essentially what visualization is, is being able to reach into your mind's eye and pull that out. Um, you're going to pick a hole on the disc golf pro tour B 
because there's a lot of coverage of it. There's, you know, every hole on the Disc Golf Pro Tour has some kind of coverage. And you can watch that and visualize and say, okay, if I was playing this hole, what would I do? And you go through that actual hole and you pick what you would throw off of that tee. Even if that, even if you're a rec player, you know, visualize what you would do from that gold level tee. What would you do? How would you break the hole down? Because that's what this drill is about. It's about breaking the hole down and understanding how to break the hole down in your head and understanding that, okay, this hole may be a thousand feet long and I might be a rec player who can only drive 200 feet off of the tee. Well, how am I going to play this? You know, I don't have to play for birdie. I don't have to play for Eagle. How am I going to play this? What am I going to do? What is the way that I would break this hole down? And you go through that. Um, for me, that would be hole seven at Fox run meadows. Um, I, I really like that hole a lot. I love the visualize or the, the, the aesthetic of the hole. And I, I really like the strategy involved. And I think there's some really interesting points that um, you have to follow with distance markers and with uh, the wind that comes through there and understanding that. So you can get as in-depth with this as you want, but picture a hole on the Disc Golf Pro Tour and break it down. Um, I would love it if you would comment on our Instagram, send us a message um, and let me know what hole and course you decided to break down and how you would attack it, you know, because I think that's really important. So this plan, again, is all about visualization. We'll have it up on our social media. Um, reach out if you if you have any questions. But visualization is a very important skill in all athletics, but in disc golf, especially being able to visualize the course and your intended flight path, super important. Back to you guys. Excellent. As a, if I could a nicely, nicely job. Um, I just want to say something as a guest here. Like this is really, really cool. Um, I love looking at these and listening to these and implementing these. It reminds me as as a person who's a a, a, a regular golfer of being on a driving range and hitting just scenarios. Like you can go to a driving range and just wallop a driver sixty right. times in a row, but you're not going to learn anything. So you're imagining, you know, if you're trying to like you know, hit certain targets or even if you get to the point where you feel like you're trying to shape shots, um, it's so good to have a method to that madness. So I love these little practice plans. Um, I say, keep it up and thanks for it. It's really well done and really well thought out. So I appreciate that. That's, that was exactly the impetus behind it is like, because when I go to a golf driving range, it's really hard not to just take out my driver and just whack a full bucket of balls with your driver. You know, sometimes that's what you need to do. You know, like sometimes you need to go to a field and throw your entire bag as hard as you can and see how the discs fly when you're doing that. But when that's what you're doing every single time you practice, you're really not getting better, like you said. And a lot of people don't have that structured plan when they go to their practice field. So being able to provide a somewhat of a curriculum, I think, is going to be important and I'm, I'm glad that you're enjoying it dan i'm hoping the listeners are enjoying it too and i will just say when you said picture that one hole patrick you can attest to this what's it it's either 15 or 16 at heiser creek every time i step up to that tee box i hate that hole with a with a passion um, it's, it's that the long one, one down the, the hill and, the, and the, the pins the basket is on the rock on the creek yes. at the end yep. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. a tough hole. <laughs> you have to go with like a flex forehand off the tee, like a super overstable disc on a flex forehand to be able to beat that 
that first corner or a flex backhand as a lefty. So, yeah, I've seen right, yours, you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, do what my do what my father did the first time and only time he played with us just throw a putter like all the way down and get a par somehow on a par five. Like, <laughs> he just pooped it off the tee, pooped it down. <laughs> pooped, when like me and Dan were like left and right hitting trees, he's just parking the putter all the way down and then first putt he just makes it in the in the basket for five on a par five wow craziness (laughs) yeah it was amazing but uh it was good news and let's let's throw it to greg with our our weekly uh step in the right direction hell yeah thank you sir um so this week what i want to do is do something a little bit off of the course and give a shout out to a resource that i've used heavily with my personal uh, venture into the art of disc dying. So what I want to do is I want to give a shout out to Bob Cobb and his YouTube channel, The Difference is Doing It. So if you are like me and you are unsatisfied with a solid white disc, especially when you're throwing it into the snow, how about you switch it up and make it cool? with your own custom die. And if you don't know how to do it, check out this man's YouTube. Again, his YouTube channel is The Difference is Doing It. He'll show you a ton of different techniques and strategies to make your disc look cool as hell. And maybe you'll find that is a lot of fun because I have. And you know what? You can make it your own side hustle and you can tell your significant other who's hounding you on how much money you're spending on discs. And you can change it around and tell them how much money you're making on discs. And with that, <laughs> I'm going to leave you with have yourself a great week, everybody. Peace. Yes. Well, thanks, Dan, for coming on, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks, yeah, Dan. Thanks, Dan. It's been a pleasure. And you need and to come I have, here I have more. One more, one, more th- one more thing to say before I leave. Absolutely. Please, everybody, if you find a disc and it has somebody's name and number, call them please some people pay good money for these discs not a lot of people have a lot of money give them a call they would really really appreciate it whoever finds my sidewinder in chapel hill please send it back i miss it dearly (laughs) well said sir well said thanks for coming on